everyone, welcome to Humans. This is episode 22. I'm Luke McCredden. Thanks for joining us. And once again, a big thank you to the legends over at the Melbourne Gin Company for getting involved in this episode. Those guys produce one of the most magnificent gins going around. So go to melbournegincompany.com, check it out, check out their range, place your order and get it delivered straight to your door. It is well worth it. There's a dry gin and a single shot to choose from. Either way, you won't be disappointed. It is fantastic. Now, this episode, I'm joined by Tim Varney. Tim is a coffee guru. He's traveled the world, literally specializing and honing his skills uh, around coffee, which a lot of us take for granted. Um, I know I do. I just go and order a coffee and don't really put too much thought into what it's about. Tim goes into a bit of detail in this episode, a bit of background around coffee and roasting beans and all that sort of stuff and the, the, the importance of actually doing it well if you're a, if you're a cafe or a restaurant. Uh, we also talk a bit about Tim's life in general, hear a bit about what the hospitality industry think of MasterChef uh, and how they watch it um, and, and just a bit of friendly banter, but I, I urge people to have a listen. Tim is such a great guy. He's part of the team at Worksmith here in Melbourne, who are a powerhouse in the hospitality industry. Check it out. I hope you enjoy it. This is episode 22 with Tim Varney. A bit of room noise and a bit of headphone. You want the balance, don't you? <laughs> I never know what to do. My hearing's shit. Yeah. So my headphone volume is always way louder than most people want. Yeah, no, um, mine's good right now. Okay. I like that I can control it myself. Yeah, go Very for it. Professional. It's all you. Do you feel powerful? <laughs> Not really. <laughs> Not really. Yeah, if that was the kind of thing that made me feel powerful. Yeah, you'd want to look for a better yeah, career. Exactly. Um, how are you? It's bloody good to see you. You and too, mate. Um, yeah. Thanks for coming on the show in, in this person. uncertain sort of time. Yeah. Is this the first one you've recorded person to person for the last little chunk? No. Did the first one last week with Nick Anderson. Oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but before that, yeah, it was it was four or five episodes uh, over Zoom, over yeah. the Zoom, and then you know I didn't I, I sort of thought that might be it for a while doing doing that. Yep. Um, but <clears throat> combination of a bit of a I suppose a bit of a restriction lift, but also people are just fucking over it and yeah. want to sort of see someone. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> um, I don't feel like I'm doing anything um, irresponsible. No. Um, that's like right. this. No, we're far enough apart. Yeah, and you're okay. We've kissed before anyway, <laughs> so it's fine. Um, yeah, but, you it, know, yeah, it, it's it was actually because I mean, look, the Zoom thing was great, it actually allowed me to record a couple of episodes that I probably wouldn't have because, mm. um, interstate and that sort of thing that I, I sort of didn't bother with because I was trying to do them all in person, yeah, <coughs> here in Melbourne. and and um, I kind of th- and it, it's not bad. It's the audio quality is fine. I just is it? Thing- well, it's okay. It's very okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, th- I think it's because I, I, all the podcasts I've been listening to that are normally like in a studio, yeah, with, like, with good sound, they all now suck. Yeah, 
to listen to. I know what you mean. Yeah. And, I, and I've always been in a lot of the podcasts that I listen to, whenever there's an interview or a conversation recorded remotely, it's always been hard for me because I'm like, I just – but I think for me doing it, um, the biggest challenge – not so much challenge, but the thing that I disliked the most wasn't necessarily the audio. It was about that being oh, yeah. with someone to talk. Yeah, you want to see the pause in people's Yeah, and yeah, and it just – yeah, I just feel like you can get more of a, I don't know, more of a mm. feel feel them out a bit more. And it's been interesting though to get used to Zoom though, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. Because at the start it felt very strange and yeah, it was very rare that I I would have to do anything on Zoom or any kind of conferencing call like yeah. that. But now it's like obviously and back I th- to back. And I think it's going to be continue on because mm. I think for a lot of people and I don't want to be ageist here but some of the people that maybe um you know older you? generation or two older than us Tim yeah. might have struggled with that whole concept and, and in yeah. fact I know they did in a few um circumstances I've been involved in but once they get the swing of it they realize yeah it's pretty yeah. straightforward yeah, so yeah. I'm 36 <clears throat> wait I'm 36 37 this year. Dear, I do. <laughs> yeah. What are, how old are you? Yeah, do, you do go through patches. <laughs> Don't skip over time. that. No, you no, asked me first. Yeah, I'll get to it. You you balked the question <laughs> to begin with, though. I did. I just Continue bought myself some time. Yeah, and I'm going to buy myself <laughs> some time right now. Um, but you do forget your age sometimes, don't you? Oh, all the time. Like when you were a kid, you obviously could reel off oh, yeah. the age plus the months. Yeah. How many days till your yeah. next present? Yeah. No, but I'm... Um, <laughs> Say what? Forty-one. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. There's nothing I wrong s- with I that. Said it, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Tim. You don't. You know. You don't strike me as someone who will ever look old. Yeah, I've had a lot of work done. <laughs> yeah. I just. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> are you? Are you crying or laughing yeah. right now? <laughs> yeah. Um. No, you've got a young face. I think I've got a youngness about me. Full stop. That's good. Yeah. Mm, the face you, sort of. Helps. Matches how I am, I suppose. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but that's good. Um, no, it is. Yeah, I don't. I, I've never ever been particularly worried about my age until I turned forty-one. Forty-one. Yeah. Why? Forty was like ah, oh, it's a bit of a milestone. Yeah. But forty-one. I think I'm forty-one. Work it out. Nineteen seventy-eight. <clears throat> yeah. Forty-two this year. Yeah. That was the. That was kind of like fifty is next, and that's yeah. That's an awful thought. When I turned, I'm a few years older than my wife, and when I turned 30, she was like, you're basically 40. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm not. I'm no. just turned 30. Yeah. And you've, yeah. and I'm still riding on I'm... Yeah. Was it you're basically 40? Or is it you're basically 40? Was she very specific about you? You, you are, yeah, oh. yeah, yeah. You're, okay. you're so not generally speaking, once nah. you're 30, you're basically 40. It's uh, like you very are. aimed at me. Yeah, okay. <laughs> so, well, you're married to me, so... Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Suffering your jocks. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, it's whatever, mm. isn't it? It's how are you feeling? Oh You're yeah, right. totally. Yeah, it's funny though when you, 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 I don't know what age it is, but when all of a sudden people that are that you know that are late fifties even aren't as old anymore <laughs> as when you when you were younger and you thought of someone in their fifties or even early sixties, you're like, well, oh yeah, it's the end of the line. Well, that was actually <laughs> no, that was the other thing that really struck me was when it was my fortieth. I clearly remembered my dad's 40th. Yeah, okay. Now, when my dad was 40, mm. he had four kids. Yep. A big house with a pool, two yeah. cars, etc. 
Yeah. Then I look at my own life. <laughs> no kids. Different time. No house. No pool. <laughs> no pool. What? Half a car <laughs> and a bicycle. Yeah. So yeah. That was a bit. That was a slightly. Yeah. Yeah. He had a giant um, profiterole cake. Yeah. It was about as tall as he was. So how old were you then when you when you were? Oh, if he was to be tennish. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. I think the I think. Um, the comparison thing is a tough one because it's um, such a different era. We're talking 30 yeah. years ago. Oh, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I get it. And a lot of people probably do it, but, um, you know, we're sort of – it's it's funny because I'm sort of a, a lot of the time think about – I've got a lot of friends my age with no kids and yeah. no really nothing yeah. holding them down yeah. and I'm like, oh, <laughs> I just fantasise about yeah, yeah, that yeah, a little yeah. bit sometimes. Oh, yeah. Um, but, you know um, – yeah, I've got friends who live through me. Yeah. Like I I don't live that kind of fun life anymore, but there was definitely a time when um, I was maybe single and they were married with kids and they were like, oh, so what do you do on Saturday night? <laughs> tell they me tell everything. Tell us everything. <laughs> yeah. Sit down and tell us everything. Yeah. yeah. Minute by minute. Yeah, because a lot of those, um, a lot of my friends who are, who are my age, um, they're kind of coming out the other side where, all of their kids are sort of, you know, not requiring so much care. So yeah, gotcha. They can have benders again. Yeah. Looking forward to the – well, I was going to say I'm looking forward to the travel again because my wife and I mm. both travelled heaps like before we met, but heaps as, as when we were young, like 18 to yep. early 20s sort of thing. Heaps of travel, which was great. And then obviously um, now young family and yep. doing all that sort of thing and, and – both our parents, both um, Ricky's parents and my parents travelled a lot once we were all old enough that they didn't have mm. to worry about us. So I'm sort of and, – and Ricky's mum and dad still do overseas trips every year. I'm like, that's what I want to aim yeah. to be doing, yeah. you know. Um, it's so exciting for them and, yeah. and we're lucky enough that we did a lot when we were younger, which the um, our parents' generation didn't do much overseas yeah. travel as youngsters yeah. um, for the most part. So we've got that – to look forward to and and feel like that's what we're going to really strive to do once they're yes the kids can either come or they can just look after themselves at home right <laughs> did you yeah <laughs> take it or leave it yeah did you do a lot of Australia travel or was it mostly uh, overseas no it was it was we did a bit of Australia travel as a family when I was really young mm. um, not that I remember a hell of a lot of it but no when 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 I was probably I think my first big overseas trip I was twenty. No, I was yeah. twenty. I just turned twenty-one. I was, I was the same. Yeah, because yeah. I went to, um, and it was, it was a wild first trip to go on. In hindsight, it was probably not Thailand. It was South America, and okay. it was revolved around being in Rio for New Year's. Yeah, so it was crazy. It oh, was wow. just yeah. crazy, unbelievable. Like yeah. I remember, that was so many great memories. But you know, spending time in in and Chile, Santiago in Chile, and then Buenos Aires, and then Rio de Janeiro for your first sort of month of overseas travel ever as a 21-year-old. It was yeah, you, full on. You really went for it. Yeah. yeah. And I had no idea what I got myself into. I went yeah. with a friend who um, luckily had travelled and was great, you know. Yeah. And then I remember being 21 because I'd just turned 21. I remember going then to North America and thinking, oh, shit, yeah, I'm lucky I'm 21 because I can't go out here if I wasn't. Oh, of course. Yeah. Yeah. But then after that there was sort of a few years of um, – it was just big – like spent – five, six weeks travelling through Africa and camping and yeah. doing these wild sort of stuff through there, which was incredible. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
And then apart from that, it's just been like New Zealand a couple of times. But Have you lived anywhere else? No, not for any length of time. Yeah. Not 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 abroad, no. No. No, yeah. but you have. And this is what I wanted mm. to speak to you about because, um, well, one of the things, I mean, it's funny, you know, saying, talking about our ages. And when you think, like you've crammed a lot in, even now, like thinking about it, haven't you? Oh, well, I've given away my age as well. Yeah. So, no, yeah, I've, I think I have actually. I think you have. Yeah. Knowing the, the limited amount I know about you. Yeah. It sounds like you've really had an amazing sort of journey through. Yeah. Now, I should say, we're, you know, we're here at Worksmith again in Collingwood recording, which is now your full-time workplace, mm-hmm. and it's all about hospitality. Yeah. And that... Yeah. That sort of full circle a little yeah. bit for me. Yeah. Because obviously everybody works in hospitality at one point when they're <laughs> Just a- anyone in the yeah. world. Yeah. Everyone. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, actually, that'd be interesting to know the numbers on that. Um, but working in what capacity? Just well, at a even part time. Yeah, like at a bakery or yeah, a exactly. cafe or exactly. A, oh, it'd be a massive percentage. Would be pretty it? high, I reckon. It's got to be a stat on that. Yeah, there would be. Okay, but, but yeah, I mean that was my <laughs> that was my start. Yeah, washing, but I mean washing dishes and and because we'll get into it because I want to I want to dive deep into um, a bit about what you do and what you have done. But was there um. I speak to a lot of people, like Michael, for example, who was the first episode of this podcast, actually. Yeah. Episode one has always been into it. Yeah. Um, my wife worked with him part-time, speaking of that, at a oh, bakery right. in, yeah. you know, in Emerald. And oh, it was like, okay, yeah. so he's always had that, obviously, in his mind and been sort of passionate in some capacity. Yeah. What about you? Is that the same for you? No. Not a No, not really. And he also had the, the foodie family. Yeah. So. Yes. The heritage, the Italian heritage stuff. Yep. Um, everybody cooked. Whereas I grew up in a family where cooking was not very, you know. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't um, a big deal. It wasn't a big focus at all. Yep. Yeah. Um, it was oversteamed broccoli and, um, <laughs> you know, meat and two veg, yeah. basically. Yep. So I, I, I didn't really develop any sense of loving food until I started working with food. Yep. And I didn't go to work in food because there was food to work with. Yeah. <laughs> it was a job. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, but but ever since ever since my first kind of proper job in food, which was at a bakery as well, Ilfaneo, in uh, St Kilda, which was a bit of an institution back in the early two thousands. Yeah. Um, that's where I kind of learnt about proper bread, proper coffee. Yeah. Um, wine, you know. Dishes, plating up, kitchens, the whole the whole lot. It's kind of a point where you realise it's more than just what's on, like more than just a dish or something, isn't it? And, oh, and I'm, yeah. I'm certainly not um, deep into it, but it's it, just talking to you guys over the over the journey. It's fascinating how mm. far into it you can, yeah, you can, you can deep dive. Oh, absolutely, yeah. But what was there was there a moment for you that sort of made you go, yeah, this is actually pretty cool. It's not just a bit of bread on a. Yeah. On a plate or, you know. Um, I think it was, like, I was lucky enough to have, like, Ilfeneo was part of um, the Van Handel family's set of businesses, which included the Stoke House, yep. Circa, um, a few other places as well. And so they, they did quite a, a, a really interesting range of offerings. So mm. they, they obviously had the bakery. They had Circa, which was... I think Andrew McConnell was there for a while, who's obviously, um, you know, has his own empire as well. Um, so there was high-end dining. 
Yeah. Um, there was the 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 wine room. Hang on, what's it called? Prince Wine Store. Sorry. Um, which was you know I I did a few wine courses there, and those kinds of things were fantastic opportunities to have. Yeah. It wasn't just a bakery by itself. It had all those other things yeah, bolted yeah, gotcha. on. So yep. so I was um, lucky enough to be around all of that. Yeah. yeah. So that was the springboard, I think, for me. Yeah. yeah. And and because obviously uh, one of the things that you are and continue to be but have done a lot in the in, is really this coffee mm. scene, which is just mind-blowing. And, yeah. it, and, and even, you know... Born and raised in Melbourne, but and you know it's it's there's arguments about you know is it the best place in 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 mm. the world? Oh, Australia we love to say it, we but it's not until even that I met you not too long ago and heard you talking on a podcast um, that I'm like fucking hell, like it's so mm. much more than just ordering a coffee yeah. and then walking away with it or something. Yeah, and that is something that I'd imagine can only be pursued and followed by someone who really cares. Yeah. So, which I dare say is you, mm. where does that start? Where does that coffee thing come from? Yeah, that's a good question. I think um, at least my experience was that, you know, I worked in this um, sort of fast-paced cafe bakery. We did loads of coffee and it was a lot of fun. Yeah. We didn't really know. I mean, we changed the grinder every now and then. <laughs> the, the coffee came in a gold bag and and we knew that there might have been some South American coffee in there and some African but certainly nowhere near what it is like today with coffee um but then from there I yeah I worked there for like three or four years and um at the same time I was um DJing on the side which is a whole nother story (laughs) another episode for a whole nother (laughs) podcast yeah (laughs) a 12 minute podcast very short (laughs) little affair um but but it wasn't until I actually went across to London of all places where it really sort of kicked off for me. And so I I, I sort of was half dragged across to London by my then girlfriend, um, which was the best thing that ever happened to me really um, mm. because it opened up so many opportunities and doors and stuff. But did you go there pursuing? No, the no, 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 no. We, we, we went over to travel and, and yep. use London as a bit of a – home base yep. um yep. and obviously you quickly run out of money and, yeah. and then you need to find work um so so i landed a job at a at a at sort of a high-end indian restaurant which was fine i didn't really enjoy it um but they served illy which was then considered one of the the best um options for for espresso coffee um certainly in london there was kind of monmouth was the other um gem in the rough um but, yeah, one day this guy from Sydney turned up to do training for all of the front of house staff who had to make coffee for the restaurant. Yeah, right. Um, and I was sitting back going, this guy doesn't know any more than I do and I didn't know much. Um, <laughs> and we got chatting because obviously he was from Australia and I was from Australia and he was like, it's the best job. All I do is drive around London and do training and taste coffee and have conversations with people and that's it. And I'm like, <laughs> how do I get in? I can do that. Yeah, this, I can definitely do that. And he's like, well, we're actually looking for someone else. Um, so so I set up a, a job interview with the area manager, I think, um, probably a few weeks later. Um, and the day of my job interview, I'd, I'd set it so that it was in the afternoon at about 3.30, 4 o'clock. 
but it was in between services. So I was doing a, a lunch service and then dinner service. We had a particularly busy um, lunch service and I didn't have a chance to go home to get changed and showered <laughs> and presentable for the yeah. for the interview. So I, uh, and it was the middle of summer in London and it was one of the decent summers over there. So I turned up to the job interview in shorts and flip-flops basically. <laughs> um, but thinking, oh, well, that's it, I fucked it. You know, mm. I'm not going to get this job. Mm. Um, I've turned up looking like a slob. But, yeah. but at that time it was like if you were Australian, therefore you knew everything about cafes and espresso and pouring. Right. right? Cafe lattes. So it was just a perception thing? Or was this like... Completely. Yeah. Yeah. So so he was like, oh, my God, you fit the bill. You're perfect. <laughs> You're Australian. You're Australian. <laughs> and, you know, at the time, yes, we sort of did know a little bit more than most people in London. Okay. But, um, yeah, I mean, there was obviously that wave of Australians that came into London and people from New Zealand as well who, who sort of kick-started the scene okay. to a degree. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah, that was that was when it really started when I worked for Ely. Yeah, right. Yeah, where I mean, interesting. Uh, where is if there was someone who knew, and maybe going back a bit because it's probably more global now. But like at the at the dawn of that whole coffee era, where would the person actually really originate who knew everything there was to know? Is it is Australia one of the one mm, of the? No, not at no. all. No, I mean. Obviously, espresso was invented by the Italians. Yeah, um, not quite as we know it today. It was it was it was a way of brewing coffee quickly. Um, so you could argue that they sort of kickstarted what we know as yeah, okay. the sort of cafe scene in, in yeah. Australia. Um, and certainly, Ernesto Illy, um, he's a bit of a godfather of coffee. He did a lot of research, scientific proper research into. Um, into into roasting and sourcing and um and he 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 did a lot of work but it certainly wasn't australia okay. australia is very good at the cafe experience yep and pretty good at coffee right so yeah, coffee yeah. kind of has bolted itself onto the really good cafe experience that yeah. we've nailed yep. because that's the very australian thing yep the the laser fair service yeah the sort of matey chit chat um that's that's that, lot. I feel like for a lot of Australians and maybe even the majority, that's mm. probably more or as important as the coffee itself. Oh, without question. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You, you're not going to to cafes chasing the the best coffee. You're, you're there for ten other reasons. Yeah, and so co- coffee happens to have done quite well out of this yep. this partnership or this arrangement. Yeah. Um, but you know. When when you talk to someone who's sort of vaguely interested in coffee, or, or wants to know more, and and they assume that Australia and Melbourne and Sydney have the best coffee in the world, yeah. and you kind of correct them and say, well, yeah, we're pretty good at it, but there's pioneers in in North America, and they're like American coffee, uh, but they're the ones that have done so much more for coffee yeah. than, okay. than than Australia. So. What about some of those places you said you spoke about um, South America? Africa, some oh, in of the terms places of in South Africa. Uh, oh, well, growing coffee, yeah. oh, which okay. is yeah, the yeah. most important part, obviously, yeah. you know. Um, yeah, far exceed any knowledge of, of coffee that yeah. sort of normal Australian would have. It's hard to wrap. Um, I'm a pretty basic – I don't – I I wouldn't know if I'd feel comfortable going for a coffee with you. Cause I, <laughs> yeah, no, people <laughs> always say that. I, I don't care. 
I don't care. Really? Anymore. Yeah, of course. Okay. You always go through a stage, and this is connected to being younger, I think, yeah, where yeah. you become a bit snobby about something. Yeah. And, and you scoff at people who put sugar in their coffee or milk or alternative yeah. milks. And But I, I couldn't, I don't give a shit anymore. Yeah. But I mean, snobby, you know, yeah, maybe. But also, because you were writing it and learning so much about mm. it, you probably learnt how to appreciate it mm. more. So, oh, of course. You know. Yeah. Like anything else. Yeah. Um, did you. Am I right in saying you were like barista of the year in two thousand and no twelve or something? No, or, or coffee something of the year? I was nothing of the year. <laughs> you sure? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Uh, okay, I've got some false uh, information. Where did someone? Where did you? Put oh, I've got no idea. Yeah, I thought I. Uh, I thought that came through. No, I mean, my one. The closest thing I've ever come to being the World Barista Champion or the World Brewers Cup Champion. So there is a thing. There is a yeah. competition. It's like best in show. It's like yeah, a dog, gotcha. dog, um, <laughs> dog grooming awards. competition. Yeah. Did you win a dog grooming award? Maybe. That's yeah. what it was. <laughs> Secret's out, yeah. Um, I'm actually a Labrador. <laughs> a Labradoodle. Um, no, no, definitely not. But I did, I, I have for a long time sort of taken the piss out of those competitions. Have you? But on the other side, I also created a, a, yeah. a coffee competition. Yeah. yeah, tell me about that. Uh, the World Aeropress Championships. Yeah. Yeah. Which um, it's been running for 12, 13 years. They're having a year off this year. I'm not part of it anymore. Right. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that was that was started um, back in Oslo in Norway um, along with a, another Tim called Tim Wendelbo. Um and that, that was born out of um, wanting to figure out how best to brew with the Aeropress, right. which is a, it's a kind of brewing device, okay. which looks like a sort of giant s- syringe, I suppose. Um, <laughs> so that had come onto the market um, back in 2007 or something, um, maybe earlier. I might have my numbers wrong there. But um, we thought, oh, this is kind of interesting um, how are we going to sort of figure out how best to, to mm. brew with it? And so we, we thought, well, why don't we just do a little in-house competition um, and jokingly call it the World Aeropress Championships because <laughs> um, there was only like three competitors. Um, yeah, and, and used, used the competitors as sort of guinea pigs to figure out yeah, right. what tasted best, Yeah, basically. That's so, pretty cool. Yeah, and off it went. Got some traction. That. Got a little bit of traction. I'm sure we're skipping over stuff, but... Um, the coffee roasting thing you've been a big part of here and around the world as well or main, mainly focused here in Australia? Yeah, probably mainly focused in Oslo actually. Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 What's – um because, again, this is probably a part of coffee that the majority of Australians, for example, mm. um, overlook or don't know much mm. about. Whether or not they need to know about it, I'm not mm. sure. But um, maybe from a – someone who – selling coffees to to consumers they probably should know more about it. and i think that's probably what you got involved in but yeah yeah how, how major is that in a, in a global scale like the, the whole coffee roasting mm. side of things well it's obviously crucial yeah. to producing coffee um i guess you could you could kind of break it down into three parts it's the growing of the mm. the, the the coffee cherries um taking the seeds out uh processing them and then shipping that coffee to a, a coffee roaster, yep. roasting the coffee so you can then brew it, extract 
yep. uh, and then have a cup at the end. Yeah. <laughs> so it's quite a, it's a fair quite, process. Quite a process. Yeah. The the original or, or where it originates, mm. um, it's is it. I mean, is it something that any like anyone can sort of do, or is it very very particular about where it comes from in terms of the actual the uh, actual. Coffee beans that you... Yeah, well, it grows in a very particular zone in yep. the world. So it's kind of between the two tropics. Right, yeah. Um, and like any other agricultural product, um, you need to have certain environmental factors to be yep. able to grow that. So it needs altitude. Um, it needs, um, yeah, d- certain temperature fluctuations throughout the day and nighttime, soil, mm. exposure to sun... The, I mean, the consumption of coffee globally is unbelievable. It must be mm. a massive market. Mm. Oh, it's huge. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's huge. Yeah. 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 So how many, I mean, the majority of, uh, the major, let's talk about Melbourne, I suppose, while yep. we're here, is um, are the majority of the places you're going into for a coffee having their, uh, yeah, roasting their own coffee or is it all you know, very much standardised across most of the places you'll go into? Yeah, well, more than ever. I mean, there's more and more. Like in beer, you see smaller brewers popping yeah. up all the time. Yeah. So your your selection of beer is, you know... Oh, crazy. Huge yeah. now. So yeah. it's it's similar to coffee. Right. So um, there are more and more um, small roasters popping up yeah. all the time. Yeah. And is it customising it? Like, it, can you sort of put your own twist into yeah, it? Yeah, totally. Yeah, I mean, it's a little bit more like the the winemaking process, I suppose, okay. where um, the winemaker can either put their signature, as you say, on yeah. the coffee or um, – or sorry, on the wine or the coffee um, – or they want to let that coffee do the talking. Yeah. So yep. – Soft touch, I suppose, yeah, in, yeah. in the winemaking process or the coffee yeah. uh, roasting process. So I think that, um, I mean, what's important to me is that the, the coffee shows a sense of place yep. and it, it is distinguishable from other things because obviously roasting imparts certain flavours, yep. certain secondary flavours into the coffee, um, which you kind of want to avoid, at least I would. Right. I yeah. was going to say, is it... Um, <clears throat> Is it something that takes a bit of practice to do if you're doing, mm. you know, much like winemakers and stuff? Obviously, it's yeah. a skill that you learn and you develop yeah. and things like that. Um, or is it a case of a mum and dad cafe down the road could get involved in it just by sort of... Oh, yeah. 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 I mean, the actual roasting process itself is pretty straightforward. It? You've got to make the beans go brown from green. Yeah. <laughs> so... I could do that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, you can Can roast you taste it if, it go, if it's not right? Oh, can, yeah. or, and can you get it wrong? Like, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. So, could if you walked into a and got yourself a coffee and went, you'd yes. taste if things oh, weren't yeah, quite yeah. right. I mean, that's that's the skill to be yeah. a good roaster requires you to be able to taste. Yeah. Um. So that's that's where you you are able. I mean, obviously, tasting the faults or the the good parts or the bad parts of the coffee is one thing, mm. but then translating that in the roast, yep. is another thing again. Right. So, what about where it's come from? Yeah, I Can mean, you identify that. Yeah, some sometimes. Really? Yeah, wow. I mean, it's a lot harder to identify location in coffee versus in wine. And yeah. I'm certainly a, a long way away from knowing a lot about wine, but yeah. I feel like I can pick up a certain great Michael, variety. Michael can do that. Yeah, that we spoke about earlier. Yeah, um, yeah, Michael definitely. Um, yeah. That's fascinating to me. Yeah, that ability and your ability with coffee. Mm. I, I mean, 
yeah, it's um yeah, it's there's amazing. Some giveaways. I mean, you, you, you drink it for long enough, and you you pick yeah. up those those cues. Yeah, and you you understand why it tastes the way it does. So, do you think the industry um, is, and let's say maybe the last five years, for example, mm-hmm. do you think the industry is have embraced the roasting and the I don't call it customization of their mm. your own coffee um, more or less, or there's not much of a uptake. Um, no, I think definitely. I think, I mean, it's in unison with the sort of general public's understanding of coffee. Yeah. So, um, I think more and more people understand that coffee comes from different places. Yeah. There are different varieties in coffee as well, which hold different characteristics. So that sort of understanding that it, coffee isn't just coffee has developed through these different roasters who yeah, are yeah. not necessarily about having a certain style in the way they roast because I think if you speak to most high-quality roasters, mm. they, they're not saying, oh, you know, our style is X, Y, and Z. Yeah. Um, I think their style is, is to showcase what the coffee naturally has mm. in in yeah. in itself to offer bring out the best in it yeah, yeah. exactly yes that's that's right yeah. yeah so so there are definitely styles from roaster to roaster because they prefer a certain way of developing the coffee yep. or they yep. prefer a certain origin so therefore that kind of will transpire that way yeah. but i think um most people whether they kind of are able to execute this or not yeah will try to to say we try and just let the coffee do the talking rather than us yeah, okay. imparting our own sort, sort Would of you, style. Would you, if you were to open a cafe tomorrow, a coffee shop tomorrow, you call, do we call it a cafe or coffee shop? What, what's the... What do you want to call it? Well, I don't know. What's the... Well, yeah, there's no rules. <laughs> oh, there is when I'm in the house of hospitality. I'd call it the, the, the coffee shop cafe. Okay. Um, <laughs> would you, if you were opening one tomorrow, yep. straight away, no brainer, you would roast your own coffee? Um, no, not straight away. No brainer. I think um, it is a bit of a straight away no brainer, but I would definitely <laughs> think about it. <laughs> I think that um, I guess I guess further further to that, yeah. Are you, would you recommend people out there that have their own coffee shop cafe, yeah, to do it <laughs> to roast their own? Yeah. Uh, no, no, I wouldn't. It wouldn't be the first. I mean, saying that, I obviously. We might get onto this, but I, I started a, a shared coffee roasting space for exactly that. Yeah. Purpose. So yeah. if you are a cafe and you're buying coffee from a, a roaster, yep. and you, you're like, oh, I actually want to try and do it myself right. or take control of your of your product, then that was what Bureau Collective was set up to do. So yeah. That said, I think there are the people who are really right for that, yep. and other people who would do better to buy roasted coffee from people who roast it really well and yeah. that is their sole focus. And that's what you, you guys were doing. So mm. I do want to jump into that because there's that option. I think that's a really important mm. one. And it's in a lot of industries for that exact thing, it's I'd really love to go down that path, but mm. I'm a bit hesitant. Mm. You were kind of a middleman to be able to say, mm. hey, we can help you out. Yeah, and do give that. it a shot. That's yeah. pretty cool. Yeah, That's a good service. So the, the, um, the analogy that my – ex-business partner used to use was, um, you know, when the Beatles got together, Mm. they didn't say, right, let's build a studio, get all the equipment in, get that really good mixing desk and 
put egg cartons on the yeah. wall. They <laughs> they went to Abbey Road Studios and mm. recorded it there because the setup was all there. Yep. So so that's kind of I mean studios have ex- existed because it's expensive to do your own thing. Yep, of course. So it's pretty much the same with roasting. Yeah, um, but that shouldn't be a barrier for people to to not. Be able no. to do it themselves. So you're out of that, but that mm. business is still yep. operational, yep. and yeah, yep. yeah. Was that? Did you have a fair client base? And when yeah. you were there, like, I mean, it's something that people are taking up. Yeah, That's I mean, cool. we were the first in Australia to do it. Um, awesome. There was another couple dotted around the states that had done it before us, um, but and there was a lot of sort of sleeping on the couch arrangements where there was an existing roaster and someone said, hey, you're using it on a Tuesday afternoon. Do you mind if I jump on it? And they go, yeah, yeah, go for it, mate, go for it. <laughs> so there was those kind of situations. They were so, yeah. so much more set up for people who already knew how to roast. But ours yep. was set up for these cafes that existed in Melbourne, especially at the time when we, we started the business that um, were, you know, well-established, you know, and wanting to take it to the next level. Yeah. And not yep. necessarily – opening a bunch of other locations to warrant opening an, their own roastery, yeah, but yeah. still wanting to do their own thing. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's cool. That was, yeah, that was yeah. cool. What, are, um, what do you, do you go and buy coffee somewhere or are you very particular and make your own at home or, or, or your work yeah. or something? I thought I made it clear before that I don't really care. No, I, 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 I drink coffee everywhere. Okay. Yeah. What do you order? Um, that's a good question, actually. I, I will normally, if I'm at a, a, a reputable cafe that I pretty much know that they're going to do a good job, I'll probably yeah. order a filter coffee. Right. If I'm somewhere that they are not doing a great job and probably using ordinary coffee, I, I get something with milk. So I'll get a flat white. Yeah. And if you're somewhere that you've never been before, so you don't have no idea of that cafe, you'll... I'll run out of the place screaming. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. No, okay. I, 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 you're not too much of a snob. There's a few. There's a few <laughs> indicators. I'll be able to walk into somewhere and go. Really? Okay. Let's. What are the indicators? Let's, let's Can walk, we walk a little further? Yeah. Um. Oh, it'll be. It'll be if you if you know what what roasting brand they use. Okay. That's a, a obviously a really good. So indicator. there's some bad ones. Is oh it? yeah. You don't have to name yeah, them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can yeah. if you want. Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, yeah, yeah there's so there's some ordinary ones who, yeah, who right. do a certain thing that isn't my my cup of tea. Are they cheap? Is that why the business would Yeah, be? ordinary ordinary raw product, obviously, yep. roasted in a certain way. Yep. Um, and and then obviously there's the brewing bit as well. And so yep. you can kind of imagine that if they're not really caring about the raw product mm. or the roasted yeah. product, they're not really going to care about the what the final product. Exactly. Yeah, that's yep. fair. Which that's is fair. which is fine yeah yeah um, hey thinking about um the sort of um tailored or customizable drinks mm. I, I need to um hand mm. you this magnificent parcel that got yeah. delivered earlier today from the melbourne gin company um listeners will know that the these guys have um, jumped on board for a few episodes so that my friend is for you oh, amazing um and that is a actually a really good example of um a product that is very popular at the moment in terms of gin itself. Um, these guys do an amazing, <coughs> excuse me, uh, product in that it's you know it's funny it, it's funny in it it's a sort of it's a sort of thing that there's obviously to look at across a million different brands. Um, it's very popular at the moment. There's not much difference, but but there su- is such a difference when you actually taste. Oh, 
it's Absolutely. incredible, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and that, yeah, that's the single shot right there, and that is a magnificent drop. Yeah, it is. I've never actually tasted the single shot, okay. so I'm excited about that. Yep. I've actually story when I first came to back to Melbourne after being away for ten odd years. Um, we did a little uh, Melbourne Food and Wine Festival event on the Mary Creek. Oh yeah, um, and. I was never big on gin and tonics, really. Yeah. Um, but we had a couple of bottles from MGC. Yep. Um, and we actually made it with um, tonic MGC and like a scrunched up gum leaf. Yeah, right. Gum tree leaf. Yeah. And it was like aromatic off the charts. It yeah. Was, it was really tasty. Would be. Yeah. That's the thing I find most enjoyable about um, the like is making your – you're, or, or, or just being creative with a garnish. Mm. It's great fun. Um, yeah. Don't worry I, about what the rest of the plate has on it. Just as long as there's a lovely garnish. <laughs> no, <laughs> but, but you, like you, you've got something like that that tastes great on its own. Yeah. Um, but, the, you know, you can just experiment. Oh, totally. Just chuck something in it. And yeah. Like a gum leaf. I never thought yeah. of that. Yeah, no, it was That teeny. would be pretty powerful, wouldn't it? It 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 was really in balance with the rest of the drink. Yeah, yeah okay. it, it wasn't overly powerful and... Um, no, it was it was great, and we were kind of trying to focus on super local in, ingredients and Doesn't most get of the much vegetables. More local than that. No, exactly. <laughs> most of the vegetables we used were, were just from down the road at uh, series, so yeah, it made sense. It's good. Well, anyway, enjoy. Thank That's you a, very much. It's a it's a beautiful drop. Yeah, delicious. Um, you are absolutely knee deep in in this food and beverage industry now. Are you enjoying it? Well, it's tricky at the moment. Well, yeah. Yeah. Really tricky at the moment. Yeah. Um yeah, I think it's it's uh, apart from probably um you know, live musicians and sort of the more entertainment side of things. Yeah, the arts, the arts scene. Yeah. Exactly. Um hospitality is probably, you know, right oh. coming up right behind them in terms of the effect impact. it's had impact, yeah. For sure. So so it's 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 it was tricky already for yeah. Hospo. Okay. Um, prior to all of this, um, and now it's obviously very very hard. Is it was it tricky prior? Just going back a bit, because I feel like you know living in um, Melbourne, mm. there's venues everywhere. Mm. Is that why it's getting trickier? Yeah, it it was busy out there. That's 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 for sure. Um, I think that there was probably we've come out the back of. Um, you know, and I'm not the, the the most qualified person to talk about this because I wasn't in Australia for a long time, but there was definitely a stage there where you could do things under the table a little bit with restaurants. Okay. Um, so, you know, you, you'd pay your, some of your staff cash, right. for instance. Um, yep. There wasn't this sort of award wage um, thing to have to deal with. Uh, you'd pay, pay your suppliers cash and yeah, you'd get okay. good deals. And yep. it, it was all a bit easier yeah. back then and and for 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 a good reason things have been tightened up a lot um, and that's just one part of a whole lot of things that have yep. compounded it to be very difficult but obviously um you know rent is extortionate for mm. for these businesses we see yep. we've already seen what's happening to retail yep you know you drive along a lot of streets in like the busiest sort of traditional retail streets in in melbourne and and there's every third uh, venue is is yeah. police. I've, I've often spoken to um, Michael Bachetta mm. again. We bring him up. He's getting a lot of airtime in this mm. episode, Tim. I think yeah. we might invoice him. Why don't we just bring him in? <laughs> Here he is. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
um, who I spoke to him a while back actually. I, I worked on um, Bridge Road in Richmond for a mm. while and I said to him, man, venues are opening up and literally closing within a yeah. month. Like, like, lit, like it was, it's unbelievable. Yeah. I said, yeah. what, you know, what, what's up with that? Like, what are they, are they, are they getting the wrong sort of guidance? Like people mm. just selling them the idea, hey, yeah. this would be an awesome spot for, a, and they're, and they're varying from coffee places to mm. restaurants to yeah. bars. And, uh, you know, there's, he, he was sort of saying that um, around town and I'm sure places like Sydney and that are the same. They've yeah. got don't go zones and, and, yeah. and that he thought that there were parts of Bridge Road that were, bit dangerous to oh, flirt with in terms right. of putting in a yeah you know a venue like but i'm like i couldn't tell you the amount in, in the space of a couple of years the amount of places i saw open and close within yeah. literally a month or two it was yeah. frightening yeah yeah i think there's there's a bit of a like certainly the, the time that i was talking about with cafes you could do well you could make some yep. money um, there wasn't the strain of um an expectation of fitting it out like it was a fucking you know, yeah. um, magazine-ready location. That's that was, a thing now, though, isn't oh, it? Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, it won't be anymore. It, well, hopefully we have a bit of a reset. But, yep. you know, the, the milk crates turned upside down with a pl- plank of wood sort of half-nailed to it used to be sufficient for a chair out the front of a cafe. Yeah. Um, and you'd sort of knock it up by yourself yep. with a couple of mates, whereas now you've got your architects, yeah. your interior designers, your marketing team, your socials team, blah, blah, blah. And, and is that on the back of what you were saying earlier about how it's um, coffee's important but yep. the, the image and the um, customer service or the customer feel Yeah, and is that, is, that is a broken seesaw. That's yep. all balanced the wrong way, obviously. Yeah. So, yeah, so, but, but that time you are able to do okay because you didn't have to have the million-dollar fit-out. Mm to be seen as a successful place to go. And um, so that time happened. And then off the back of that, everybody sort of saw it as a money-making exercise. You could open a cafe, do really well, yeah. flip it, sell it. Now you can't. Yep. They're all like... So how many do you think um, going through the whole COVID-19 experience have and, and will close? Uh, we, we haven't seen the start of it. Yeah. yeah, there's a lot of places on life support at yep. the moment um, with 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 job keeper. Yeah, um, and what's the new one now? Job um, Reaper, job <laughs> the, the, job the maker, one that's maker, job yeah, maker. Yeah, job yeah maker. I don't know what that is, but anyway, yeah. So you know that ends up well. In, that's in a, that's more. I think that, yeah, and I think that's more on the flip side of about reintroducing jobs and yeah. stuff in the workplace. But I mean, yeah. if the business aren't there to that's it. Employ people. Right. Yeah. So at the moment, um, a lot of businesses have, um, this is the, the word of the moment, pivoted. Right. Pivoted. Uh, everyone's pivoting. Right. Um, so they've turned into like um, grocery stores now or, you know, as well delis as or just. Or just yeah. Because okay. they can't seat people in the spaces anymore. Yeah. But they can have people coming in grabbing yeah. obviously takeaway food yep cafes have done okay because they're able to sell takeaway f- coffee yep. um and we sort of managed to get through that okay in at least in in victoria and melbourne um but obviously you see in other countries where there's a complete shutdown yeah yeah so and uh, you know june the first the 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 restrictions are uh, easing a little bit yep. but it, it's now a situation where having 20 people in your restaurant for a night is just not sustainable. Yeah. Whatsoever. Yeah. 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 It's a funny one. Um, 
And you mentioned retail before, and that's retail. You see a lot of small businesses now diversifying, and and mm. if they're a, um, what's an example? If they're a camping store. Yeah, they'll be now be sports, camping, fishing, hunting, yep. and whatever yep. else. Um, yeah, spare parts for yep. bikes or something. They're definitely not a fly fishing specialist store. Well, anymore. It's, <laughs> you sort of can't be, you know, and and, no, and not to mention, fishing. like again, like you say about rent and things mm. like that. Um, this has shut down a whole heap of mm. stores in centres. Yeah, this this whole thing like there's been a massive sort of. Well, that specific scenario is that you can't go out and do that either. Mm. So not only yeah, you know, people can't go out to buy the stuff, but they can't then go out and, and use, use it. it. Yeah, so yeah, I know. It's a yeah, it's it's you know the 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 loss of um, sales through say in the sporting category mm. for things like and you sort of forget this sort of stuff a bit but the community sport so mm. the however many hundreds of thousands of kids that play footy on a weekend yep. and need footy boots yep. they weren't buying them because yep. you didn't need them yep. like the, the, the revenue loss in that is unbelievable yep. alone like but that's just one example so yep. Yeah, it, it's just a it's a massive, massive effect. Yeah. Um, that's one of the biggest things I miss is my Wednesday night mixed basketball so- social. Yeah. You oh, know. the social things. It's, I, I loved that. That was my, you know, yeah. that was my uh, meditation. Yeah. 45 minutes on a court and you're yeah. thrashing it out. Yeah. Um, and that's now obviously gone. Gone. Well, for yeah. A, probably for a while. Yeah. I pumped up um, Auskick. My five-year-old boy was real oh. pumped for his first season yeah. of Auskick. Nah. Not happening. He's like, are we going yet, Dad? <laughs> like, mate, sorry. Uh, <laughs> but it's, yeah, look, it's it's a it's a massive thing. So, yeah, I mean, as you're right, hospitality. And, again, just through you guys, um, mm. chatting to you guys through this period, it's it's a it's a shocking one. So Yeah, it's it's been really tricky. I think um, people will rise out of the ashes, yep. so to speak, I think, and it's definitely an opportunity to get super creative and yep. – um, definitely an opportunity to right the wrongs that were problems about the the industry prior to all of this. Um, the 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 issue is that people are sort of struggling to survive. I suppose. Yeah, yeah that's um, right. Yeah. Uh, so it's not exact. I mean, obviously, amazing things are created out of duress like that. I suppose. Um, so yeah, they are. They hopefully are. That's the case. And I, and I, look, I'm a I'm a huge. Um, believer and fan of just mixing things up like if mm. things like i hate the idea of the same old stuff yeah. year in year out yeah. with anything um mark labusk who was on this podcast a few episodes back um coined the phrase business unusual oh yeah uh, uh, and that he, he's strong on that should be used instead of business as usual yeah I'm like, that's brilliant that and is. embrace it not just sort of yeah. write it off as gonna have to do things different now do yeah. it different, yeah. but fucking own it, but embrace it. it. Yeah. You know, no, like that's a good point. there's there's no reason, you know. Now, if there's ever a time to do things really wacky and mm. to see if they work, yeah, do it. Yeah, because if definitely. who knows? Yeah, definitely. Do you think there's space like that in hospitality, like even with a small cafe or something, to really just do something out there? And I think so. Yeah, I haven't thought about it too much in terms of a cafe sense, but I know that like. Um, what will be born from all of this is that restaurants will, uh, I would imagine, will function a little bit differently. So mm. I think there'll be more ticketing in restaurants okay. than ever before. So the idea of making a booking for a restaurant and then kind of showing up if you want to will be a thing of the past. Right. You'll have to put your credit 
card details up front at least okay. or buy a seat in the restaurant for that particular night. So I think that'll we'll see a lot more of that. Yeah, I think right. in, the, in the immediate future we'll definitely see digital menus yep. happening, which are not the most beautiful way of experiencing sitting there on your phone. Yeah. You know, um, but but that's probably going to happen. Um, yeah, I think... Is that just to afford touching... Yeah, so, you know, single-use yeah. menus yeah. will be a bit silly to have to print out all these menus yeah. only to be able yeah, to use yeah, them yeah. once. Gotcha. So I think that, that that's going to happen. Mm. Um, but, yeah, I mean, yes, you'd, you're right. It, it should be an opportunity to sort of shake things up a little bit. And, yeah. and hopefully... Um, it's an opportunity for the general public to appreciate so much more what these yeah. venues mean to them. I hope um, so. Yeah, I, I really hope so. And I think that um, <clears throat> there's definitely on the 1st of June, there's going to be a, a huge influx of people wanting to, you know, yeah. put it, put jeans on, oh, tracksuit yeah. pants when they, they leave the house. To and just out. walk into a bar or something yeah. or a pub yeah. or a, anything and yeah. just sort of get that feeling again. Totally. Yeah, uh, yeah. Well, I'm certainly looking forward to it. Yeah, yeah. me too. Yeah. Me too. I don't know what what it will look like, but <clears throat> even just enjoying a beer at a bar, yeah. leaning on a bar, yeah, or a gin. Yeah, there you go. That's like it. A, yeah. Anyway, yeah. but look, it's um, yeah, it's a tough time for you guys, and um, and hopefully, as you say, it's uh, there's some there's some light at the end of the tunnel, and even if it's mm. a different colour light, that's okay. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. What colour light do you reckon? I like green and red. Green and red. Yeah, a combination just to yeah. mix it up yeah, for no go. reason at it's all. It's very Christmassy. Yeah. Yeah, or Welsh. <laughs> yeah. I'll throw some blue in, I yeah. suppose. Or then it's sort of French. The footy. footy. That's what I'm looking forward to. You know what? I'm going to put it out there that, <coughs> excuse me, this start of the AFL season yep. <coughs> was fucking embarrassing. What? Uh, they should never have fucking played. The, the round one. And oh, it was nothing. disgusting. Yeah. Like, what's the, what's the point? It was a little It was taster. embarrassing. Yeah. What do you mean embarrassing, though? Well, it was never going to continue. Yeah. Right? So it right. was, they, they pushed it for, yeah. I don't know. <clears throat> I know there's commercial pressure or whatever yeah. from networks and that, yeah. but it was never going to go on past that round. Right. The the idea that, that these guys are literally sweating on each other. Yeah. But we're oh, encouraging yeah. this distancing thing. Yeah, it was mad. You know, don't give high fives. They're, they're fucking wrapped around each other with blood and sweat going on. Totally. You know what I mean? Yeah. I just feel like it was such a that was embarrassing. A cop yeah, out, totally. and for the for a sake of a weekend of footy, and I love football as much as anyone, <laughs> but there was no need for it. No. Um, yeah. I tell you what, I'm disappointed about. Yeah, I'm disappointed that the NBA is not on because yeah. working from home and given the time difference from America mm, and Australia, <laughs> I could have NBA playing on my TV yeah. behind me all day every day. <laughs> that was the great thing about NBA. It's played on every night of the week practically, isn't it? Every day, yeah, every, every night, day. yeah. Yeah, there's a couple of um, key dates they don't play, which is like public holidays mm. over there. Um, and oh, they play Christmas Day. They play, yeah. And there's a short, you know, in the scheme of things, there's a, only a short break between the – the last game of the the yeah. finals in the in the next season. Have you been watching the last dance? <coughs> yeah, amazing. You know, when you think you know a lot about Michael Jordan or an athlete because you just watch so much and read so much about them. Yeah. So for then a six part or eight part, ten part, whatever it is, documentary to come out and still blow your mind about this person that yeah. you feel like you know so much about. Yeah. You know, uh, unbelievable, just incredible. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, I loved it. There's not many. I, it's just it's just one of those things too. You sort of watch and go, there's not there's not many athletes in any sport around the world in history mm. that are in that realm. Mm. Do you think it would have been a slightly different looking uh, documentary had Michael Jordan's production company having no involvement in it? Because I think he sort of had the final say and mm. ticking it off and allowing it. I don't know. I liked it. I don't want to overthink that. Yeah. Because there's enough documentaries or, or uh, things that you can watch that are about him and his team. Yeah. Or, but, but I feel like when you listen to various podcasts with players that he played with or yep. um, people he's involved in, that it seems seems like it was fairly act, like true. Yeah. I don't feel like there was too much mayo on it. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. Is that what you mean? Like you think that yeah. he might have just made it look a bit better than it? I think so. Yeah. I think yeah. it – well, I don't – I have no idea. But yeah, I, yeah. I feel like – I mean, some of the things I've read is that um, – Obviously, certain people have come out and said it was portrayed in a certain way, and it favoured him, and da da da. And I think that yeah. that that kind of narrative was spicy, mm. but that certainly wasn't the bit that was most interesting to me. I think the the story around um, Jerry Krause, yeah, that fascinated me. That was because yeah, yeah. I had no idea about that yep. that, that side of. The and in the first two or three episodes, that really drew me in. Mm-hmm. Um, and and some, I was trying to watch it, and I think they it can't not be a Jordan focus on a Chicago Bulls documentary, right? Yeah. But I was very much conscious of really um, die, like really getting into that whole Kraus, even that like the Pippen Kraus sort mm. of um, duel. I loved the. I really um, believed and got a good sense of. And it, and again, it might be the way it was filmed and made, but mm. that Phil Jackson, who was the head mm. coach, was just a a great guy, yeah, and really backed his team. Definitely, you know, um, yeah. So those, yeah, those years in the Mexican yeah. league must have, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was amazing. Yeah. Um, so yeah, look, I just think with things like that, that it's easy to. There's always going to be someone come out and say, "Oh, you know, yeah, have some skeptics and that." And sure, maybe they're justified, but yeah. I don't know. I watched something like that, and I got to the end and just went, "Wow, yeah, like far out." Uh, the timing. Couldn't yeah. have been yeah. better. Like we are, we literally have no sport. Yeah, and then the the greatest ever. I know basketball documentary. Yeah, and that was promoted before all this stuff. So it's not as if they yeah. just did it for this. No, um, I'm not a conspiracy theorist. Oh, here we go. But if I was, go on. And and had and we were talking about is someone behind this? There's two people. Whoever owns Netflix. Yeah. And whoever owns Zoom. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Probably Bill Gates. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He owns everything, doesn't he? Yeah. Um, but, yeah. Oh. Yeah. I mean, there's uh, <laughs> there's still not much on Netflix, to be honest. <laughs> and you definitely know, you, you've definitely experienced that more now, spending yeah. so much time at home. Um, yeah. Someone said to me the other day, oh, I've finished Netflix. Yeah, good. I watched I it all. Completed it. Yeah, <laughs> clocked it. Yeah, clocked Netflix. <laughs> it's good. Uh, but yeah, yeah. Right. there's always going to be podcasts to listen to, Tim. That's true. Mm, absolutely. Humans is a good one. I know more. Hey, mate. Um, I better let you get out of here because it's um getting late. Is You've it? got work to. No, it's probably not. 
we could probably have a gin once we hit the oh, that's stop a good button. Call. It's 7.01. Is it? <laughs> that is incredible. It's getting so late. I'm a father of three. Oh, it's well past my yeah. bedtime. Yeah, well, I have been going to bed at like 9.30 <laughs> at the moment, yeah. Have you? Yeah. That's get, okay. Get through MasterChef with one eye open and then to bed. Oh, that's another conversation. I know we're, we're running. I mean, we've yeah. been talking for ages, but... Yeah, cut all the basketball shit out. How do you guys... I'm going to ask it. Yeah. How do you guys... And when I say you guys in the hospitality mm. industry and... and for anyone involved in Worksmith, I feel like Worksmith is a real yeah. buzz in the industry and yeah. a lot of people that are involved, whether they're members or the, the team yourselves, um, are really um, oh, really well-respected people, yeah. right? Yeah. How do you go watching those sort of shows? I, I actually, I've, it's, you've got, I've got the perfect balance of love-hate with that show because right. it's so unbelievably heavily produced for the moron. Yeah. yeah. Me. Um, yeah, and me, <laughs> obviously. Um, but I, I think there's there's often like little little gems in there. Um, yeah. Uh, his name escapes me now. He's got that. He, he actually just won the Booker Prize um, for his book about breaking down fish. Uh, he's got a restaurant in Sydney. Doesn't matter. But he broke down a fish. Kingfish. Yes, that was unbelievable, yeah. and, I, and I've, I should just say I haven't watched this, this series, but I saw a clip on YouTube or Facebook or something. Yeah, that was unbelievable. So good. I've, I've, I, the kingfish were my favorite fish to catch. Yeah, but looking at that, I'm like, man, I waste it. I'm, I'm <laughs> I just waste to, so much of it. Have you seen his book? No, it's amazing. Like, okay. not only is he obviously incredibly talented, and like, you know, the 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 king of respecting. The, the seafood, the fish and whatever. Yeah. But the photography is beautiful as okay. well. Um, and it's actually a genuinely helpful book to have yeah. if you're ever wanting yeah. to learn about yeah. fish butchery. Um, yeah, it's incredible. I just, I mean, there wasn't yeah. one one speck of that that was wasted apart from the scales yeah. and, you know, a yeah. couple of fins. But It's, it's amazing. Yeah. yeah. Um, but no, we I, I really enjoy it. It's it's good water cooler conversation yeah. as well the next day. Yeah, okay. Daisy, who... Um, who uh, works at Worksmith as well is a, a, a avid watcher of MasterChef. It's just the kind of um, the kind of forced narrative that they do in the episodes that yeah. that that is a source of amusement for me, but also frustration because they yeah. really labour it. Yeah, yeah. I oh, think I got the panna cotta into the blast freezer. I just hope that I've had enough time for it to set. Yeah. You have, and mate. of course, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think that, um, and look for me, for me, who's not, uh, I don't know what they they could tell me anything on that show, and I go, oh shit, yeah. yeah. It's <clears throat> it's quite entertaining, it, and they come up with some amazing things at the end. Yeah. Um, for you guys, it, you sort of just got to look at it as an entertainment value type thing, wouldn't you? As well as pretty much, yeah, pretty much. I think this is actually a pretty good one in terms of the. I mean, a lot of the sort of plonkers have left, thankfully. Um, uh, but there's <laughs> the the echelon at the moment is not not so shabby, which is good. Um, yeah. So there's definitely like a there's nothing like major to take from it. Yeah. Um, the the hosts don't have the greatest chemistry. So is this their first season? T- yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Man, it's a, I, it's I, a big ask. And it, yeah, it is a big ask, and it's it's a massive. Mm. Um, void to fill like they, they the yeah. three that previously did it just yeah. owned it yeah you know, they turned they probably turned that show into the success it oh, has become absolutely. as opposed to the production yeah. but yeah. um it's kind of one of those things i always am curious because 
um, it's like singing shows. I, I'm always curious to follow up their career and, and nine times out of ten yeah, that you don't hear much from them. Yeah. But, I've, I mean, there's plenty of success stories out of MasterChef. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Most of – like all of the returning chefs in this season, which is sort of like – they're, they're all returning for a second go at it. They're, most of them have done have gone on to do yeah, fe, re, you know, relatively yep. good things in food. So good. that's 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 a good thing. Good promotion for food, right? Yeah. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Particularly at a time when people are forced to be cooking at home a lot more. Yep. yep. So I'm going to go get a kingfish on the way home. And um, oh, great. Where are you going to get a kingfish on the way home? Doesn't matter. Okay. Um, <laughs> I've got a guy. <laughs> Got a guy. We yeah. meet in the back alley. Yeah, he just, yeah, he's got opens his boot. Yeah, don't know how long they've been yeah. in there for. <laughs> uh, let's go have a gin. Great, Sounds all right. Good. Well, love thank it. you, and um, yeah, let's um, let's do this again sometime, and hopefully the the uh, we can go sit in a bar and do it. Yeah, and you can learn about my DJ career. Oh, let's do the DJ talk. Yeah. All right, good stuff. Nice Thanks, Tim. Cheers.